Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is now 0.25% more expensive. I'm Scott Phillips from the Motley Fool. He is Andrew Page, not only from strawman.com. He founded it. He had the idea. He created it. It is his baby, his love child, his inspiration, his life's work. Andrew, good day. That, that is one hell of a hyperbolic intro, but appreciate Isn't it. it. though? Yeah, yeah. If no, only I, I can it. remember what, what it was, though. <laughs> we're, we're a private <laughs> online investment club. Uh, just, just I have to get a quick shill in here. Um, we're, oh, actually, we're actually reopened. Um, oh, it's going to close go. on Sunday. It's only the third hey, time we've, we've accepted new members. So, yeah, if, you, if you're interested, check it out. So at this point, less than two days or maybe just a touch over two days left to join strawman.com as a premium yep. member, hey? Yeah, check There you out. go, mate. Well done. Hey, I'm going to uh, also shill something about us, but I'm going to leave your shilling alone. Let, let uh, Alyssa soak that one up first. Can you remind me? I'll come back to, I'll come back to what I want to talk about uh, because I'm as passionate about it as you are about strawman.com, uh, the, the apparently private online investment club. So that's you it. claim. So, so you claim. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, if you did a straw, no, straw poll, no pun intended, of our listeners, how many do you reckon think the whole, I can't remember the thing is funny and how many are kind of like, just dude, get over it. Like it's been this long. <laughs> what, what do you reckon? Where, where, would, you, where would you put the over under? I think I think the uh, what's it called the Pareto principle the eighty twenty rules probably a, a good one. Eighty so uh, twenty is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> or or here's maybe the, the other about, way. Here's the thing about retention, right? Those who are still here obviously haven't been so annoyed by it they've left yet. So maybe it is the other way. Maybe it's like you, know, you shed all the people who actually don't think I'm funny. The ones who are left just have no sense of humour or taste or class. So there is that. They do say consistency matters in podcasting. <laughs> so something to do it they? maybe. If they say that all the time, is that just software reinforcement? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, well, mate, uh, let's move on. We've got a lot to chat about. Uh, but before we do, how's your week been? It's been, uh, yeah, good, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, Stock market's God. been a little all over the place. Did mm. you see, did you see, was it, what's today? Tuesday night our time, the US markets. What happened? Like, I don't really, I, I know I talk about this all the time. I know you say it doesn't matter and there's opportunity and you're absolutely right. I just, I, 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 have, I can't help myself. I tweeted about it on Wednesday morning because I just can't help myself. And it, just the ups and downs. And up, in a single day's trade, it was like, hey, we're excited. Oh, no, 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 we're really disappointed. Half an hour later, oh, no, we made a mistake. We're excited again. And I just, you know what? You know what really annoys me more than anything else is not the fact the market does it. Because again, as you rightly point out regularly, it just means opportunity for us. If the market's not efficient, that's great for stock pickers. And you're absolutely right. What sticks in my craw is two things. One, the sheer billions of dollars of wages paid to people who do this stupidity. And second, the fact that they somehow managed to convince most of the rest of us that they're important and smart and worth listening to. And oh, I just yeah. look at that and I kind of go, come on, people. Like, seriously? I, I <laughs> who was it? You know? Who, just yeah, who, who was it that said, you know, when the d- ducks quack, feed them? Um, I'm sure oh, it was. Like I'm sh- yeah, I'm sure it was in reference to the in- the, the financial advice industry, and, <laughs> right. and that's it. I mean, you're you're right. you know, the the industry is out there trying to you know um, yeah. sell you stuff, and the, the more complicated it sounds, yeah. and the more exciting it sounds, the more you can sort of call it day by day, and there's lots of stuff to discuss. Yep. It just it just sort of drives yeah. that way, which is which that's is it is what it is. But it's sort of like again, I, I sort of see opportunity in all of that when oh, everyone's right. sort of playing these short term sprints, and you're just sort of it's a hare in the tortoise kind of stuff. Yep. So sort of let them have their fun. Just don't just don't be sucked into it yourself. And, and that's exactly my message for sure. Is yeah. it, it'll do what it does. Ignore it. Like you completely feel free to ignore it. But just keep in mind that's the reality. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Um, I I am going to go off topic already because okay. I'm going to have one big swing 
a bit of a mini rant, if you like. Please. At the new proposed, I've done this before and I don't care, I'm going to do it again. Proposed changes to financial advice. We've talked about, I'm sure, the fact that the financial advice review instituted by the previous government is apparently in its draft recommendation and potentially the recommendation that's already in the government's hands. Quick aside, governments who get a review and then wait two months to release it, like, guys, just get off the grass. You know, like, just release it when it's out. There's no, you don't need to sit on it for months and just kind Seriously. of find opportune time to do it. Or anyway. Especially if it's after an, releasing after an election. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Different rant. Uh, but uh, it's apparently going to recommend that the best interest duty is done away with and be replaced with good advice. Now, I ask you, Andrew, rhetorically, what is good advice if it's not in the best interest of clients? And more importantly, if good advice is not in the best interest of clients, exactly whose interests is it in? I have a lot of I have a lot of sympathy for the financial advisors, a lot of whom are listening, who have a absolute truckload of red tape to get through. The statements of advice are stupid. It's bureaucratically designed. I I am on team remove unnecessary red tape. Not all red tape. I'm not the, the shock jock type. I'm not saying red tape is always bad. I'm saying if it's unnecessary and makes life difficult and advice more expensive, get rid of it. Absolutely. But an advisor who says, you know what? The best interest duty is too tough. I should just give good advice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you, if your advice is good, is it not in the client's best interest? And if it's in the client's best interest, why, need, why do you need to change it to make it only good? I just think that is a... It, you know, we fought this one for 10 years, mate. The Gillard government brought it in. The, was it Abbott government at that point? I think tried to roll it back. Thank God the Senate voted against that one. We were loud and vocal about it then. We've been loud and vocal about it since. And I'm just going to say one more time to every listener. And if you have anyone, if you have any influence or, or sway or, or opportunity, please say something. Please make your voice heard. Um, jump on a couple of my tweets or do, do what, I, I don't know, write to your MP, call your MP, do whatever you need to do. Because if best interest is watered down to only being good, just ask yourself why and what's likely to change and whether or not you're likely to be better or worse served by that change. Mate, it's total clown world kind of stuff. Clown world. I mean, you, you've got to ask yourself who out there in the electorate is writing to their yeah, MP and saying, right. can you wind back these? If there was ever a more transparent right. demonstration of the power of, of lobbyists, it's this. And I know <laughs> whenever you say point. that, it kind of sounds like you're a bit crazy, but I mean, no, you tell me where is the pressure no. coming from, if not the no. in, this very, very profitable industry. Um, and it, you know, good, best interest. I mean, it's it's just absolute silly. The amount of resources wasted on all of this. Yep. And for me, like the really infuriating thing is that it's 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 actually very counterproductive. I think on on a net basis, mm. because all of all of I mean, the big entities won't have any problem complying yeah, with right. it. It'll make everything much more difficult. You'll still be getting crap advice. Don't don't think mm-hmm. that's going to change. You know, what, how, how do you how do you you know um, scientifically determine the mm. difference between good and best <laughs> you know it's, know it's it's stupid and what it does is it just makes it harder for disruptors to come in because yep. they don't have the resources to jump through all of these hoops and the rest of it so what it does is it just it actually just solidifies solidifies the incumbents and and that's not good that's not good for a market i'm, I'm with you i mean i don't think it should just be the wild west and, and anything goes i think i think that's ridiculous but yeah this is this is just an absolute joke it's pretty bloody. Here's here's what annoys me, mate. This is this is a combination of bureaucracy and lobbying, right? You don't need to tell the doctors or lawyers they have a best interest duty. You know why? Because you say to them, the only people who can pay you money is your patient, mm-hmm. or in government case of Medicare government. And so it doesn't. There is there is no third door, right? There is no question or chance or anything else for the advice to be crap. Now there's mm. regular pushbacks against big pharma who give them holidays and conferences and pens and God knows what, as it should be. But broadly speaking. 
a it's a profession not a not a sales job and b mm. if you know who, who's bread i eat his song i sing as we've said many 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 times or as mungo would say show me the incentives i'll show you the outcomes yep. if you just we would need none of the, the whole thing the, the whole irony of this is we've created an entire apparatus because the financial advice industry is enormously and unequivocally tainted by money coming from the big funds, the big financial product manufacturers, all that stuff, right? All, all of whom have, money. for the most part, like a very strong statistical bias right. towards Huge. mediocre performance at best. I'm not, yes. you know, again, I'm not making this up. Go look at the figures. Most after fees, yep. most you'll do far better in just an ETF, broad-based index tracking. These these snakes charge you all kinds of fees to, to underperform the market. And largely in, in recommend their own, largely recommend their own company's product as, as shown by an ASIC Secret Shopper review done a few years back yeah if you literally just said you guys can't take any money at all from anybody else other than your clients and mm-hmm. you may not be part of a group that provides advice and sells a product or has mm-hmm. a product to sell mm-hmm. that does the job mate like this is the this is the stupidity because the industry is conflicted and because government are not gutsy enough to actually make the call mm-hmm. you could get away with you want to get rid of the paperwork easy you say to financial planners here's the qualification here's the industry association and by the way not a single dime can come from anybody other than the people who walk through your front door, not yep. through the back door. Now, we've had financial advisors hit us up and say, hey, there's no more commissions anymore. That's absolutely true, except a lot of these agencies are owned by the people who sell the products. There's a whole lot of subconscious and maybe even conscious bias going on. Just simply separate it. It's very, very, very simple. Yep. If Andrew Page wants to be a financial advisor, he works for Page Incorporated or Page Phillips and someone else incorporated who has no relationship whatsoever with a product manufacturer, doesn't get a cent from anybody except the client, the whole problem goes away. Accountants don't get paid by the ATO or by anybody else to give dodgy tax advice. And no one has a best interest duty for the for the tax agent. Mm-hmm. Why? Because mm-hmm. they're there for the client. Like it's it's really really bloody simple. Yeah. It, it you know. But because as you say, the the lobbying and the the best interests are so strong, governments are, are too gutless to do it, and and the industry is too gutless to make the change. And yet we're looking at potentially watering down. I just I find it bizarre, mate. It's maddening. It's maddening. I saw a good. This is from the US. There was a really interesting study that looked across all the different kinds of legislation that had that had um, tried mm. to go through Congress. <laughs> and it turns out that really one in three bits of legislation put forward make it through. Right. What's interesting is when you try to correlate that with um, uh, community demands or hmm. you know just like the, the level the level of yeah. uh, uh, what's the support from the community so like yeah. there might be something yeah. where 80% of people think it's bad to carry an M16 around the street or something like mm-hmm. that there's actually no relationship between that mm. when they when they adjust it for the amount of uh, money behind each of these causes there's a perfect correlation oh, in other words the more money put towards something the higher the proportion the higher the, the higher the odds are that it will get through it's it's completely yeah. driven by that and look yeah. there is there is a role I think to some degree for lobbyists and that someone who can yep. represent a broader group yep. and put forward the case. It's the money that taints everything. And it's just, again, it's just so blindingly obvious. Everyone, you don't need me to tell you. It's just there. And <laughs> yeah, we all accept it because it's so entrenched. It's it's really depressing. It is, mate. It is. And Worse in the US than here, but still. Like that, yeah, the example you just gave is, is just like, I mean, so as you say, I think the first thing you can do is just be aware of it, and if you're yep. if you're interested, sort of make 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 your make your voice known. But but as I, I would just reiterate, for your own sake and those that are listening, to this are smart enough to know, you don't need real. I, I again, apologies to to a lot of financial planners, but generally speaking, there's probably about seven or eight different uh, 
uh, financial plans that you that could cover the yeah. entire population. <laughs> yep. General, you know, on a broad based thing, it's not that difficult. Yes, you have to consider your own circumstances, but just to really simplify it, spend less than what you earn, mm-hmm. save the rest of, is, uh, as you can, probably in something like a long term broad based ETF. Mm-hmm. Adjust that depending on how close you are to retirement and relative to your savings. I mean, that's kind of it. You can flesh totally. put some flesh around the bones of it, but that's that's kind of it. So to to have I remember, I forget the exact stat, but there's something like 2,000 stocks on the market. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of lot of investments that you could make. <laughs> but the number of financial products is something like 10 times <laughs> yeah, that. What's, what's been built off that and combined yeah, with other it. things, it's just, it is, you're the margin here. You're, <laughs> you're yeah, people, are, people are taking yep. things that aren't that hard yep. to do, um, yep. and, and, you know, and, and, they're, and they're arbitraging you, frankly, and Correct. just don't be a part of it. Should we get on to what we're actually going to talk about? Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your support, mate. I appreciate it. Um, it's hard. How, how do you nice. not support it? I am, I am going to, by the way. So here's a, a, bit of a bit of a teaser. If you're not already, this is not supposed to be an ad actually, by the way, but it will be. If you're not following me on Facebook or you're not on the Motley Fool's marketing mailing list, um, please do one of those two things. And the reason I say that is because I'm going to write an article, basically to your point and my point about what financial planning should look like and and, and what the options should be and how it should be better run. Mm. Um, I'm going to I'm going to do some of that in writing uh, at some point relatively soon. So uh, maybe even today, Friday. So if you have already, if maybe already up there, in which case jump on the Facebook page. Um, and if you you won't, you won't find you'll find on the full website actually. So mm-hmm. also follow that. If not, it'll be early next week. So have a look. Yeah, at do that. it. Uh, and give me some feedback, by the way, too. I, I, <laughs> you know what? I, so here's a, here's a wrap for you, mate. One of my favorite, I, you know what I love when people follow me on Twitter? I love looking at their Twitter bios because it's really cool. The, diff, the the range of people who follow me are just there's, there's cool people doing really cool and different stuff and stuff that I don't do and can't do and won't oh, do. There's something and, very cool about social media. It's, yeah. yeah, it's just it's just really, it's just great to sort of see the rest of the world. But what I love about your Twitter bio, mate, is I don't know if you've changed it or not. If you haven't, you may need to change it back. You, you, you write, trying to be less wrong. No, I, I start with that. I start with most likely wrong, just as a just as a big disclaimer. <laughs> but trying, wrong, trying, but to, trying to be less wrong, <laughs> right? And so what I, what I liked about that is just you know the, the the humility to say I've got some really strong opinions about stuff, but some of them are going to be wrong, and I'm going to make an effort to be less wrong. There's so much this, the the idea of continual learning, trying to improve, make you know overcome your own um, objections, issues, biases, um, you know, lack of information or, or knowledge or whatever, learning from people who are smarter. And the humility of just saying in the first place, that's actually where I'm here. That's what I'm doing. I just I love that, mate, because it's really, really rare. Uh, so I guess I just say that, A, to give you a wrap, but B, to, to my point, I write stuff in the in a very you know assertive, affirmative context. That is what I believe. But I am absolutely happy to be proven wrong or, or convinced that I'm wrong. So uh, whenever I write anything, by the way, and same with podcasts. If you like what we're saying, write in. Tell us. Tell us what. Um, tell us what you changed. Tell us what we're wrong about. Tell us your different opinion. Um, we're always up for, for new ideas. The best new idea from the podcast recently is my thing about the super stuff. We had a, a listener, and apologies, I can't remember your name. Please let me know um, who you are because I, I I keep saying a listener, and that's both true, but also not very fair because it was a good idea. Who said they should use superannuation as one tool to calm and. Uh, stimulate the economy. I just really love the idea of superannuation contributions as a, as a fairer way than interest yeah. rates of doing that. Just such a really cool idea. I'd never heard it before. I love it. I was just to a whole lot of people. No one yet has been able to poke a hole in it. Uh, so it's just, you know, really, really cool. So that's one of those, you know, we're not exactly crowdsourcing here. Andrew and I talk about what we think about and we try and get some member listener uh, feedback into the conversation. But please do be, be part of that conversation because it's super, super useful. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I, mean, I, I love, I love, I, go, I just, there's so many quotes I've collected over the years in regard to yeah. doubt and uncertainty. And it just, it's <laughs> one of those messages that come from so many great thinkers, whether it's Richard Feynman or Charlie Munger, all these things. It's just, yeah. 
you know, doubt doubt is an ever present kind of thing that that's there. It, it's you really you really have to be extremely ignorant or frankly not very bright to have extreme <laughs> certainty in so many human yep. endeavors, which are yep. really just chaotic. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I just I, I feel as though I love the the idea of strong opinions loosely held. I forget mm. who said that. It's great. But you know, and if the facts change, I change my mind. It feels mm-hmm. as though, <clears throat> particularly in our game, if you're on the record somewhere, sort of saying, "Hey, I like this company," and inevitably, statistically, a good deal of them are not going to be be right. People are like, "Ha ha!" Oh, or if you change your mind, it's like, "No, wait, you said this before," and it's like, "No, actually, that's that's what you should do." Yes, and I think yes, the master sorry. of this is uh, Stanley Druckermiller, who's just one of the all-time great investors. Very different mm-hmm. style to what. I guess we talk about, but he is he's just famous for pivoting 180 degrees very quickly. And he's done extremely well out of out of all of that kind of stuff. I mean, you the, the fact is you're gonna make mistakes. I mean that that is unavoidable. But the real mistake is sort of doubling down and compounding it and ignoring the mistake in the first place. Once <laughs> go go with you, go with your best best foot forward. Mm-hmm. But if you mm-hmm. once you realize you're on the wrong path, just get the hell off. There's yeah. no point yeah. in staying on. So yeah, I can't emphasize yeah. that point. Mate, that's that's why the platform's called Strawman. You know, with mm-hmm. the, the it's the idea of of challenging your idea and trying to trying to knock it down. The best the best way to improve an investment idea is to challenge it, in my view. Um, yep. So yeah, anyway, I'm big big fan of what you're saying. <laughs> I love it, mate. I love it. Um, so let's 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 move on from that. Uh, hopefully, a couple of interesting tangents to start the podcast with, mate. The, the, we've we've buried the big news after seventeen minutes of rambling on, which is of course that interest rates were up again this week. <sighs> speaking speaking of the market, I'll start with that. The market fell out of bed as soon as he, the announcement was released and the and the statement was released by the RBA. Yeah, I honestly pretty much because of an S, right? Yeah, increases yes. plural, right? Did anyone genuinely think? I don't, I don't know, mate. I, well, evidently, it was, yeah. It, well, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the biggest fall. It was half a percent or something. So it's, yeah, it's, it's it's a daily gyro. It's no big deal. Happened in in seconds. So it's big. It's notable for its severity and size and speed. Mm-hmm. Did you really think there was not going to be at least two more? I mean, I, I, I even or, or the chance of two more. Like to be so sure there wasn't going to be that you'd priced shares one way, yeah. and then twenty seconds later you're pricing shares meaningfully less on the basis of that S, that there might be one more 0.25%. I just, yeah. I, don't, I, I just, I, and again, it goes back to the thing I started with, which is the market's stupid. But I just looked at that and went, oh, come on, seriously? Oh man, the amount, of, the amount of scrutiny that people give to the exact phrasing and wording of these things and trying to define what's <sighs> on the inside of Philip Lowe's head. Some, someone who is quite famous at, at this point in time for, for making a pretty bad, Call <laughs> yeah, exactly. on where he thought interest rates yeah. were, were going, and not to be critical of him, I, I think the whole the whole idea of, of of trying to guess these things years out is is nonsense. But <laughs> but again, you know, it's a sort of like uh, you know, it is it is it is what it is. I I um I, I don't I do think in terms of the severity the, the rapidity of that fall, mm-hmm. I think just to speculate i think that's probably a sign of increasing algorithmic trading and bot trading and those there are there, i'm sure there's a bunch of things that are all queued oh, up around this yeah, stuff yeah and so and that yeah you know the, the announcement is released and then three seconds things start happening there sort of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in it you know a bit of momentum there. i mean none of the stuff that i really pay any attention to but i'm sure that's got something to do with it I think a lot of the time we as investors, we think, oh, there's all these really, really smart, super informed people <laughs> making very wise yeah. assessments on the latest information and then adjusting their portfolios. Well, mm. I'm sure there's some of that, but I'm also sure there's a bunch of unthinking trading 
bots out there just just running against some algorithm, you know, a lot of which will probably prove to be pretty <laughs> unsuccessful over the period of time. But again, it's it, the mistake yeah. is looking for for true meaning, true signal through what is really essentially noise. If at least if you're a, a long term investor. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that's I think that's absolutely right. Let's get back to rates themselves, mate. Um, the RBA seemingly thinking it has no choice now or in the future than to deal with inflation by continuing to increase rates. Uh, that, that that much, I think, is unavoidable in terms of their rationale. Whether that's right or not may be a different question. We'll get to inflation itself in a minute, mate. But um, I, it, what's fascinating to me is the growing chorus of criticism of low. Uh, I've, I've, I've said some stuff on Twitter, some of it in defense of low personally, some of it in defense of rising rates, some of it in defense of just the process and the, the thinking. And it honestly strikes me, and apologies if I'm talking to anyone who's <laughs> tweeted at me on Twitter the last few days and is now feeling offended by this, but uh, there's a lot of hip pockets talking right now, and, and probably justifiably so. I don't blame anyone for feeling the pain or, or worried about it. That's, I think, I guess my, my point is, the RBA has told us for months and months and months, albeit, as you said, starting horribly late and probably not doing enough early on. So there's mistakes made. But they've, they've, they've told us exactly what they expect and what they're going to do about it and how they're going to respond to it and what that's going to look like. Uh, and that people who say, well, we should be giving some pain relief to households who are feeling the pain of interest rates. It kind of defeats the entire point, in my view, that that's what rates are supposed to do. Like, that's exactly what Lowe is trying to do. He's trying to suck money out of the economy yeah. to deal with inflation. I, I, and I don't, I don't, part of, part of it is, is tabloid shock jockery. Part of it is a, just a straight up misunderstanding. Uh, yes. Part of it is just is just self-interest. I would like some more money, please. Yes. And again, I don't necessarily blame anyone for feeling that way. I do think our the quality of our public discourse from experts, talking heads, and just the rest of us on social media, um, when we deliberately or otherwise misunderstand or, or misrepresent what the RBA is trying to do, I just think it's really unhelpful. You know, mm. um, I don't blame anyone for saying, Jesus, I've got a bigger mortgage to pay now. Where am I going to find the money? This sucks. I, I get all that. But they, I, I said, it either deliberately or, or unintentionally misunderstands the fact that that's exactly what rates are supposed to do. We've talked about last week, and we'll talk about it in a minute, the 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 fairness of slugging just a small proportion of people with all of the pain. Mm-hmm. It's not just it's, uh, it's, it lies in that. By the way, we talk about homeowners, also small businesses generally. Renters too. I can uh, I can yeah, attest. True. Like <laughs> true, true. <laughs> plenty of pain gets passed on, my friend. Let <laughs> yeah, me tell exactly, you. exactly. Um, but you know, and there are fairer ways to do it. Again, I just mentioned superannuation before. I just I, I guess my th- your thoughts on that before we get to the inflation topic specifically, mate. Um, at least under the current orthodoxy, I don't see what other option they have and I don't see a lot of understanding. Maybe, maybe I'm just responding to the vocal minority, but there just seems a really significant willful misunderstanding or misrepresentation of exactly what rates are supposed to do. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I, I guess I what, what kind of sticks in my crawl so often mm-hmm. is is that we it's capitalism on the way up and socialism on the way down, you know? No, no. When when prices are flying in the the property market, look how much of a genius I am. That all the spoils <laughs> yeah, go to me. <laughs> and let's be real here: a big yeah, part yeah. of the drive of the property market yeah, over the yeah. past couple of decades has been a very significant structural decline in interest rates. I mean, that's yeah. and, and by the way, yeah. that's been true of that's been true of the share market as well. Yeah. yeah. And and that's you know that's the investing landscape that we that we all deal mm-hmm. with. And again, I'm mm-hmm. trying to sort of distinguish here between just pure outright sort of 
investments here and, and versus people just wanting a house to live. But I, it just, yeah. it sticks in my craw a little. It's like, oh no, your government's got to do something. It's like, well, no, it doesn't. Mm, mm, I, mm, mm. I don't I don't cry foul if my Bitcoin goes down 10% and someone yeah. should bail me out for that because like, exactly, yeah. it's an investment, right? And yeah. so that, that I guess- I guess that sticks in my craw a little bit, but I, I do, mm-hmm. I do also think that and we talk about this all the time. It's just so horribly mm-hmm. blunt as an instrument. Yes, uh, the RBA is left totally. to do way too much, and yes. their, their, their their power and influence, I think, is greatly overstated mm-hmm. as well. But does isn't does this not tell you a sense of the 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 zeitgeist in Australia? I, was, I had the TV on um, when the announcement came through. They were talking mm-hmm. about the horrible situation in Turkey, etc. Yeah, and breaking news, breathless reporting, <laughs> you know, it was like, my goodness, it's a quarter of 1%. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. it's not meaningful, but anyone would think aliens had just landed on the White House lawn in, <laughs> in terms of, and now we cross to this and we cross to that and what it meant. And like, holy Moses, you know, a quarter of 1%. And as you said, one that was so ridiculously widely, I think almost yeah. unanimously kind of yeah. expected. Have yeah. we not got ourselves into a, into a little bit of a bind when the mm-hmm. smallest interest rate rise is is threatening to topple the whole damn thing. I, I, yeah. I just see it as all as madness, frankly. Yeah, I think that's I think that's I think that's pretty true, mate. I think that's pretty true. Um, yeah, look, no no surprise. Inflation is too high. Rates are going up. That's just what happens. It's what the Reserve Bank said they would do. It's what they've done, um, and, and it's supposed to hurt. The, the <laughs> giving, giving households relief from inflation. It, 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 it literally defeats the purpose of the RBA saying we want to take money out of the economy. Government's giving it back would a frankly it's, it's counterproductive. B means the RBA is going to have to do more uh, unless they change their minds. <laughs> the more money is put into the economy, the more they're going to take out of the economy. That's their job. So any any air quotes relief would actually just create the, a greater need for future interest rate increases, which well, it, again would be completely counterproductive. L- l- let's play the counterfactual. Let's say in a parallel mm-hmm. universe, the RBA says, "Yeah, we get it. This all sucks." Uh, we're bringing interest rates back to 0.1% right now, yep. doing it one fell swoop. <laughs> now, your property is going to jump in value. Oh, Share market investors will be dancing yeah. in the street. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's great news, right? Except yeah. until it isn't. I mean, it just causes so much extra, bigger, larger, more difficult problems down the track. So it's not a question of do we have to have some pain. It's it's, it's you know it's like do you want a, hopefully a little bit now in the so-called soft landing, or kick the can down the road and face much 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 more devastation uh, down the track. So that's that's mm-hmm. the aim and, and the intent, and that makes sense. But just to come back to it though, I think it's it's so um, it it's so what's the word for it? They're, they're trying to they're trying to stop prices increasing is what they're mm-hmm. really trying to do at the same time while making sure economic activity remains strong and unemployment remains low yeah that's and, the soft landing they're looking for <laughs> yeah that's that, that's exactly what it is and and the the trouble is you put interest rates up the you know multi-millionaire with four investment properties and mm-hmm. a big share market portfolio might see their their net worth sort of decline 10 percent on paper or whatever whatever yeah, it correct, happens correct. to be um where it, where I think it's much more difficult is there's a spectrum here, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of people at the other end. It's just sort of like they're already struggling with all the basics. Yeah, exactly. And and maybe they look, maybe they overextended themselves. Maybe they were helped, encouraged, or urged to by mm-hmm. their by their lenders. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's sort of like they're they're people who I don't think were out there spending like drunken sailors in the first place and are yeah. responsible for overcooking the the economy. Um, so it's sort of I, I, it's more the shape. Uh, and spread of mm-hmm. of how this impacts more than the, exactly. the overall thing. Yeah, yeah. 
But I'm going to read to you a series of quick tweets I sent. No, uh, reading tweets is not very exciting, but I just I want to summarise what I said during the week because I think it's kind of takes summarises my view. You're welcome to disagree with any of it, by the way. But I'm just going to, I'm just going to quote a thread with a 13 different points and a, and a summary. So let's just go through them. They're only short. I said, quote, look, the tabloid responses are easy and no one likes the pain caused by rate rises. But here's the thing. One, inflation left to spiral will destroy our standard of living. Two, higher rates temporarily beat higher prices permanently. Three, of course it's painful. Four, it's also unfair that the burden falls where it does, which is what you were just saying. Mm -hmm. Five, the RBA has few other options, either high inflation or high rates. Six, the choice is easy. See one and two above. Seven, quote, avoiding pain for households is a seductive idea, but it's a non-starter. The pain is either higher prices or higher rates. Mm -hmm. There is no door number three. Eight, parliaments can do more. They should do more. But in the meantime, the RBA has no other options. Nine, the time for Parliament to do more was last year and five years ago and 10 years ago. The second best time is now, brackets, but they'll squib it mostly due to politics. 10, the RBA has clearly told us what they'll do and why, but we keep spending. Don't blame the RBA. 11, the final rate rise, whenever it comes, will be one or many, oh, sorry, one or more too many, almost by definition. That's just life. Perfection doesn't exist. 12. The best thing for the economy is for the opposition of whatever stripe to join a unity ticket for better economic policy. 13. Pigs might fly. <laughs> I, I, I finished by saying, that's it. That's the lot. Yeah. But remember, the RBA can choose higher prices or higher rates. There's no magic alternative universe. It's a tweet, tweet thread I'm semi-proud of because I, mm-hmm. I just kind of, kind of I really try to think about capturing... The, this current set of circumstances right now um, and that's one of those I think you, you know there, there is there is the cause right mm-hmm. we can argue and debate that there is the what should have happened in the past we can argue and debate that mm-hmm. what should have been done before now including yesterday we can argue and debate that the circumstances are that however we got here we are here and the job of policymakers, plural, including government, who, Joe, you know what? I actually prefer parliament rather than government because government sounds like it's like one one group of people only can make the decisions here. Mm. Parliament mm. is the the sum the sum total of our elected representatives, including opposition and minor parties. So I'll say the parliament mm-hmm. should be doing more right now, mm. but it just kind of is what it is. Whatever whatever the RBA did or didn't do, whatever the government did or didn't do, whatever COVID and choose choose your your preferred villain. We are here now, yeah. and so the only question is. What do you do? You, these yeah. are the cards that have been played and dealt. Maybe they'll play badly. Maybe you're two tricks behind and you're going to 500. You've got six cards left in your hand. Great. Now what do you do? Yep. That's that's literally the only thing that matters. In terms of solving it, we can go back and, and you know find villains and, and lynch people and do whatever we want to do. But right now, in terms of policy, the only question is what's best to get us out of this hole as painlessly as possible. Not pain-free because that's, that's, not, that's not an option anymore. Yep. Just what, what causes least pain and how do we get out of this one? It's similar to what we were talking about before with, with the madness of markets and there's the madness of policy mistakes <laughs> so and, yeah. and, and all the rest of it. So I think it's sort yeah. of right to sort of shake your fist at the sky and say, it's, oh, yeah. not, it's not right and we could do it yes. better. I, I think all of that is true. This but, sucks. Yep, exactly. But again, to your point, I think just as an investor, as a realist, you you factor this in ahead of time. Not now, yes. after That's it's right. like I've, right. I've leveraged, leveraged myself yep. up yep. to the eyeball. Yep. I made a bunch of speculative investments. Uh-oh, it turned out it's, it's, it's sort of going <laughs> bad. Now what do I do? It's kind of like, well, I guess yep. it's never too late to do something. But the mistake 
the mistake was was not allowing for again the three most important words in investing a margin of safety in your decisions and this is this is why you know it, you, i think as an investor you've got to think about risk adjusted returns the best possible returns a lottery ticket you know and and then it goes it goes down down from there all the way to a bond and if 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 you're again just to give the the hackneyed example if you're someone on a moderate moderate, moderate salary who's 90% leave it against a portfolio of eight different properties. You know, it's sort of like, well, this is, that's, that is going to make you squillions of money, squillions of dollars if things go in the right direction. But at the same time, if, if it doesn't, you're, you're going to be absolutely wiped out. And the goal with investing, as we always say, is the most important thing mm. is to survive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't exactly. ever want to start over again. Mm-hmm. So I guess I just hammer on your, on your point there a little bit, which, which is, yeah, what, what the, the real question is, what do you do? And the real question, mm. is, and, and the answer to that is, you always act with a margin of safety. You always assume for the unpalatable, <laughs> the unexpected, because mm. at least then you get to sort of fight another day. And I, mm. I worry that that too many people, as we've said before, we've got we've got got a whole generation of people who are knocking on the door of fifty who've <laughs> never seen a recession in their working lives. You know, yeah, sort of, yeah. we we we. Exp- we we expect the government to come to our aid every time there's a little bit of, of a wobble. I think it's one of the big things that sort of changed in politics over the last few mm-hmm. decades is that we really do expect the government to do everything that they can to to, to wrap us up in, in cotton wool. And obviously there's a lot of things the government should do to protect society as a whole. But it's 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 just, I think, led to a lot of reckless behaviour. And, and unfortunately, some people are going to sort of pay the piper, I think. Yeah, and that's the that's the brutal part of it, right? This is, and that's why this sucks because there is no there is no pain free outcome. Um, someone is going to have to pay rightly or wrongly. Uh, the speculators can take their lumps. The 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 trusting no little, no not much people who said the bank manager. And here's the thing, right? I know plenty of people who'd go to the bank manager and say, "Look, I want to buy this house. How much can I afford?" The bank manager says this much. They say, Are "You sure?" The bank manager says, "Yeah, here's your money." They say, "Okay, cool, thanks. That's good to know." And moral hazard for sure, but. People who aren't particularly financially savvy are, are you know, inc- I think I think it's, it's not inappropriate for them to believe the combination of the bank manager's risk policies and government regulation says, if the bank manager's like, I'm, I can afford to borrow this, I probably can. Mm-hmm. Now, we know the folly of that now, 12 months later. I think we, you and I would have known that at the time. Most of our listeners would as well, by the way. So I'm talking to a pretty educated audience here. But um, it, just, it just really annoys me that, frankly, APRA, the, the banking regulator, and the bank's qualified people on rates that were just... The, the the risk of them getting that wrong was just catastrophic for those people who will be forced out of their homes. Um, and yes, well, that- we could could and should hope for more education and for better decision making by the individuals. There is individual responsibility. But man, like if I think about my sister or my brother-in-law or my mom or people who aren't in the finance industry, right? Mates who just went, well, I'd borrow that much because I thought that was, that's how much I could afford. That's what they told me. They, yeah. they do all their checks. It's the bank money. If they want to lend it to me, I, I guess they trust I can pay it back. Mm-hmm. Um, APRA was asleep at the wheel, if not completely um, utilised by the previous government to, to achieve some outcomes. Um, the, the then Treasurer encouraged them to reduce the buffer at exactly the wrong time, the lending buffer this is. Unbelievable. Um, I, it just and the, and the banks themselves who said, yeah, you can borrow it. I, I, I can qualify you for a loan at 4%. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I, it's just a it's 25 just, year and dare I say soon to be a 35 year uh, oh, that's a whole different arrangement yes, yes. yeah the, the one the one thing I'd add to what you're saying is though yeah the bank certainly I think hopes that you can pay it back um, yeah. 
But, you know, they're just they're relying basically on what you tell them to a later large extent and what your expenses are and the rest of it. We know that there's a whole problem with sort of so-called liar loans and the rest of it. But the other, yeah. the more important point I want to make is it's a collateralized loan. So yeah, worst case scenario for the bank, well, not worst case scenario, but, you know, in your individual circumstances, <laughs> yeah. like you can't, you stop paying your mortgage, they'll just sell your house. So they, they, they're kind of made whole either way. Um, obviously, if there's mass selling and the property's, are selling at much lower prices than than the bank's mm. copper loss, but even then, it's a it, as you say, it's a moral hazard. It's like, well, we can't let the yeah. banking system fail, so yeah. so they yeah. all get bailed out. So again, it's just yeah. that, that really, I'm not a libertarian at all, but I, re mm. I really want to hammer that point of of personal responsibility. Is you know, you've 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 got to take it seriously. Yeah, exactly. I I, I, I you know I would agree with that, mate. If I thought that people could reasonably exercise personal responsibility in an educated, informed way. Mm. And I don't, I think we are, if you know someone coming to buy your product is not fully qualified to make a decision about whether that product's right for you, that implies a moral and ethical responsibility on behalf of the organization. I think it requires uh, more vigilant, better regulation from regulators who say, actually, you know what? I'm not qualified to choose to, to know whether the car is safe. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to trust that the safety regulations and the registration process and the, the what we call the, the pink slip in New South Wales, the, the, the roadworthiness, is all done by an expert. That They're the rules to make sure when I buy a car and drive that car, I have a reasonable expectation that it's roadworthy, right? Mm -hmm. um, you can say, well, buy, but where? You've got to check your own car and make sure it's safe. Okay, well, I can't check the brakes. I can't check the oil. I can't make, you know, I can check the oil. But, you know, I mean, there are things mm -hmm. I can and can't do. I, mm -hmm. I rely on experts and I rely on regulation. I, I, I rely literally, as in, I, you know, my decision is reliant on that regulation being in place. Um, we, you and I assume that's true. I don't know about you, but I certainly assume that's true when it comes to cars. Mm -hmm. I think it's reasonable for someone who isn't in the finance industry to assume that if you're, if you're putting your name on a piece of paper for a seven-figure loan and there is a bank with rules and you know the government has a regulator, mm. it's reasonable to assume that regulator is doing their job, surely. It is, and I and I in a perfect world that that would be the case. But I'm just, I'm just acknowledging I know, I know. as as we no, you're right. It's you're right. it's you're just right. the reality. Unfortunately, it's it's clearly not as good as as it could be. So I guess I'm just trying to urge urge caution out there. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. And I'm gonna I start an argument with you about wages and prices in a second. But before we do that. Uh, last thing I wanted to just quickly mention, we mentioned it earlier, so I want to come back to it, is fiscal policy. Um, fiscal policy is a, a, a wanker word for government taxing and spending, uh, the, the money they collect, the money they give out, and how that happens. I am, speaking of Twitter, I'm increasingly cranky about the abdication of, uh, by the way, this will, this will stir the MMT crowd up, I'm not doing that deliberately, but it will, mm -hmm. um, the abdication of responsible budget governance by both parties over the last 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. The... I, I, this is not universally accepted, though it should be, because it's just plain bloody common sense in my view. But again, feel free to disagree with me. If you're running a federal government budget, I, I'm a big believer in Keynesian economics. That is, you spend to stimulate and then you collect more than you spend to, to uh, slow things down, to, not to contract necessarily, but to slow things down, uh, to take heat out of the economy. Uh, that's what that's what government deficits and surpluses are supposed to do, right? So we used to balance the budget every single year. Milton, uh, Milton Keynes, John Maynard Keynes came along and said, hey, what if you actually spend a little bit more in the bad times to help those people who, who are suffering and to get the economy going again? And when it goes really, really well, when it starts to overheat, you take money out of the economy to slow things down. It's kind of what monetary policy does as well, but fiscal policy under this Keynesian kind of metric does that. It's what we've believed for decades, since probably the, well, probably since the Depression, actually. Um, in the last... 10, 15 years, 
the, that process has been followed, but the idea that it should balance over the long term, that, that the surpluses in the good times should match the deficits roughly in the bad times, both because it's responsible governance in terms of not putting, taking on too much debt, but also because the, the, taking the taking off the peaks and filling in the troughs is just plain bloody common sense. Now, the last 15 years, mate, we have not had a structural budget balance. In other words, the, government, the, the budget as it's currently set by the previous government and maintained by the current one, and by the way, governments before that, ran big deficits in the bad times and maybe possibly almost got to balance in the good times. Now, mm-hmm. I don't need to tell any of our listeners, if you, if you, if you lose money in some years and you, make, you break even in other years, what's the net result of that? Yeah, it's a net deficit. There is no structural balance. If there was a structural balance in the budget, if there was, over the last two years, when unemployment was at 3.5%, when corporate profits were through the roof, when commodity prices were through the roof, we would have had big surpluses last couple of years. What would that have done? It would have taken heat out of the economy. What would that have done? It would have given the RBA a truckload less work to do. And this fundamentally, mate, is my real frustration, my real, I, I, I am bloody cranky about it because we've just talked about some of the people who are getting smashed by higher rates, right? If the budget surplus, if the budget had been in surplus for the last couple of years, as it should have been with a structurally balanced budget, that would have been, most of that, part of that work would have been done already. Well, maybe rates are still the current level, but they're probably not. They're probably 2% now. Maybe they wouldn't have fallen so far, by the way, in the bad times because the government spent, they did that good, that well. But just that, 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 uh, I'm going to say bastardry because I can't think of a better word. To say, I'm not going to set stru- the system up such that the natural stabilizers work in both directions. And so the RBA's only got to fiddle around the edges rather than doing all the heavy lifting. It is just, it is an abrogation of duty, mate. It's, it's, mm. it's negligence, I think. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty strong on this because I just think it's the easiest thing to have done properly in, at the time. They have just left us in 2023 hanging, literally blowing in the wind. It, it's, it's a disgrace in my view. Well, this is, this is the problem with Keynesianism or one of, one of the problems with it. And, you know, we sort of laugh at MMT, modern monetary theory as well. And it's kind of like communism in the sense that from a theoretical standpoint, it, <laughs> yeah. makes, it makes a huge yeah, amount of sense. Exactly, that's right. I mean, yes. so, so yes. I, I, get, I get the argument. I've, I've yep. always understood it. The, the trouble yep. is, is that show me the evidence of where, <laughs> right. where, this, where this extra saving is coming. It never happens. And, and so yep, that, that is, that is a, a key to the problem. And the RBA, you're right, it's a fiscal, it's a big part of fiscal problem. We focus way too much on monetary policy, mm. but the central bank is an enabler to the government yes. because yep. they'll buy up the bonds. So when you when you have a mismatch, where does the extra money come from? Well, you borrow it. How do you borrow the money? You issue IOUs to the public, i.e. bonds, mm. and then you spend it. Yep. And then you know, you've got to roll that over or, or eventually pay it back. <clears throat> it doesn't tend mm. to get paid back these days. Um, <laughs> That's my issue, right? That's Yeah. You, you, that, and that's the and problem. It doesn't work. You, no, you it doesn't work. You can't have a, yeah. a constantly expanding. And the, the thing about modern, I'm okay on modern monetary theory because I don't really care enough about it. But it's actually it's people. What I love about the MMT guys say, well, it's no different what we've got now. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's no different what we've got now. So, but we still need it. But it's no different what we've got now. Yeah, yeah, but 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 it, at, at its very at its very least uh, <laughs> offensive and least useful. It's just a different way of describing the current system. Which is fine. I, I'm, I'm okay with that too, except that the, the tools they choose to use or believe they can use is, as you say, like the utopian world of communism, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, but 
And by the way, it doesn't work. The other reason it doesn't work is because they believe you can create as much government debt as you want to because there is no there's no implication. It's just it's just fundamentally not true. It's it's cuckoo land stuff, yeah. in my humble opinion. By the way, there's some university professors who believe this stuff. So you know, take take that forward. I'm not I'm not just they're all they're all complete cranks. I just think there is a lot of wishful thinking. Like I think communism is exactly the best example, mate. Because mm. in a perfect world, everyone gets exactly what they need. We're all you know we're all working three hours a week. We're all living in clover. Everything's wonderful. It just doesn't it doesn't work in reality. MMT is exactly the same. The mechanism. Mm that would need to be used to make it work just aren't reasonable in, in the real world. Yeah, an all-knowing all all like, benevolent okay. dictator, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely, yes. that's the way to go. That is the way to go. <laughs> but with a political reality, no politician gets elected yeah. or stays elected by saying, I'm going to spend less and, and tax more. <laughs> no, it just doesn't happen. And we wonder that, why we that, got problems. It's a critical flaw. It's sort of, yeah. you know, regardless of the other arguments, yeah. that's the critical flaw. And we've got decades of evidence to sort of, to sort of show it. So... <laughs> So uh, my point is that, you know, those governments, let, let be really, really, really clear, right? Even though I had someone on Facebook, yeah, but the, the last government almost got the budget back in black. It wasn't for COVID. It's like, yeah, that's true. But they almost, in other words, they almost ran a surplus in the really, really good times. Yeah. Which is not enough, right? You need to be running big surpluses in the good times that are equal to roughly the deficit in the bad times. That's how you end up with that sort of situation. Uh, and I just want to hit on hit on the point too of the word structural. So you will yeah. get periods where the price of iron ore just flies through the roof and we yeah, export so absolutely. much of the stuff that we're just like, oh, we, we actually Company tax gained ground this year. Yep. Yep. But yep. but it's not it's not what you would reasonably expect as prices sort of normalized to more typical kind of levels. Like what, at those levels, we are in a, in a deficit. So it's real. It, it's the structural nature of the thing yes. where we can maybe occasionally rely on the good nature of of international commodity markets. But other than that, yep. it's it's yeah, it's a losing proposition. The U.S. debt to uh, uh, GDP is some insanely high amount <laughs> at this at this point in time as well. And where it where it gets into a bit of what they call a debt spiral is mm. that the we're actually getting close to a point where the interest on yeah. that debt is becoming a major line item in the budget itself, mm -hmm. like up there competing with military and health spending. It's like it's that big. You get to a stage of just like you know what we high just like. Uh, the, the, on, the only way to square that kind of circle is to inflate your way massively out of the debt uh, or, or to basically to, to default on the debt because <laughs> you, you, you are, it, or somehow artificially keep interest rates really, really, really low because at some point it just comes to a point where it's like, well, we're already in a structural deficit and now the interest alone is eating up any money that we are sort of making. <laughs> it's, it's very difficult to get out of. Historically, there's a great book, by uh, Rogan and oh, I forget the name. It's called this time it's different, which basically talks a bit about that. That there's really I don't think any examples in all of history that once a company's gotten above a certain debt to GDP level, it's ever ended well, like ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's all it's all pretty significant stuff. I think I think it is the we keep coming. You said before the pod is like, gosh, we just keep coming back to the macro, but it's just and everyone is because it is it is. <laughs> It's sort of the big elephant in the room at this at this yeah. point in time. Yeah, mate. Let's. Uh, we've talked a lot about macro, but I think this is a really, really useful conversation. I, I said lots of times, and I, I'll say it one more time for new listeners or those who don't remember. I actually don't love talking about macro, or making it the focus because normally it just kind of bubbles along in the background. But there are some really meaningfully at the extremes. That's the times when these conversations are useful because it talks to you about what you should expect. And again, your point about should we have expected rates to stay at 0.1? Should we have been buying houses, seven-figure houses and seven-figure mortgages at 0.1% official cash rates? I think we know the answer now. Hopefully, if we hopefully if we have already 
educated some of our listeners, they knew that at the time and could avoid it. So this is why these conversations are useful. And as investors, you've already mentioned, share prices are absolutely impacted by interest rates as well. Sure. And, and the health of the economy also also matters. Matt, let's, let's, go to, let's go to that potential argument. Fascinating to see what you're going to talk about here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, wages and prices. It's one of the big... Um, one of the big challenges that face the economy, one of the big conversations that face the economy, maybe it's a big challenge, maybe it's not, if it doesn't matter. Uh, Phil Lowe has said he thinks they should be, we should be limiting wage increases to 4% across the economy. Um, I've already talked about the fact that relief, in air quotes, or for, for households, in whatever form it comes, is just extra spending that wouldn't have otherwise been put into the economy. And so that, in my view, can only be inflationary in its implication whether it's justified or not very different question how to what degree it's uh impacted very different question so those are those are the questions we've, you and i've been engaged with conversations on twitter with each other and with other people about this and i think it's a a really super useful conversation mm. I, i'm going to just set it up by saying there there's there's no there's no one capital w wages you made the point about this, you know, there's no single economy mm. so you know should people get paid more that's i mean that's a stupidly big question it's executive pay it's nurses and teachers it's people who can't afford to pay electricity there's uh you know people like you and i on decent wickets there's there's everything in between and and so you know i think i think we can we can run the risk of it being so generic as to be a useless conversation but equally it, it, there, there are some absolutes and averages and totals that do matter in terms of how much is done in the economy when it comes to stimulating or contracting, removing stimulus uh, from the economy. So uh, broad thought, mate. Wages and inflation. Is there a relationship? If there is, how big is it? How bad is it? I think if there is a relationship, it's r- ridiculously overstated. And it, it tends to come from certain quarters. And again, there'd be sort of vested interests at, at play here. But to to me, it, you we hear it a lot at these times. It's like uh, inflation's high. There's one sector of the economy saying, "Well, we need wage rises to compensate for that because our purchasing power is going backwards." By the way, they're right. Like it is. That's yes. the oh, definition of yes. inflation. <laughs> I haven't got a pay rise. I've actually I've effectively gotten a pay cut. Yes. Uh, right. And and when you're looking at seven percent odd inflation, I've and all else being equal, if I haven't got a pay rise, I've got a seven percent cut. Yeah. So various econocrats will turn around and say, well, we, geez, we'd love to. We really we hear what you're saying. But if we do that, we actually risk inflation, um, a, 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 a wage price spiral, they call it, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. makes inflation worse, which just makes the whole thing even worse. And, you know, you, you end up being worse off in the end. So you, you don't you don't get a pay rise. It's usually an econocrat like Philip Lowe, who's on five hundred thousand dollars a year from the public purse, who says to everyone <laughs> else, hey, you know, you, you don't need a pay rise, which kind of very, very much, I think, sticks in, in a lot of people's crawling. You verbal him a little bit there. You say you don't need a pay rise. He is saying you shouldn't get a pay rise because of the economic impact. But what's he, don't need one. I made the point before. Who are you talking to here? What, yeah. what, 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 who is advocating for everyone in Australia, whatever you're earning, you're now going to get a 10% pay rise? It doesn't happen. There's various different groups. Some of them will be really deserving of it. Others will be completely undeserving of it. We got a bunch of vouchers mm-hmm. from... Dom the other day uh, to buy school New shoes South and all. Premier, just for those who are listening outside New South Wales. Yeah, I mean, what the hell? Like, like mm-hmm. I'll take the money, but I mean that that is that is just like uh, <laughs> insane to, mm-hmm. to my point of view. Now, if you want to talk about uh, a, a wage, uh, a, a, sorry, a, a nurse or a fiery or a teacher 
who have gone massively backwards in real purchasing power. We know from all the stats, a lot of them are struggling with just the basics. Food, fuel, and shelter, the three most important things you can possibly spend money on, are the items that are the highest within the CPI. They're all around 10% or so. They've gone massively backwards. And you're saying if you just bring them back to, to, to par, that's going to overcook the economy? It's like, no, that's, that, that, is, that is absolutely not true. Will it stop some people who have been overspending, potentially to use that, that term? Yes, it will. But it's just, again, it comes back to this point of, I just, I hate the bluntness of the statement. Wage rises increase spending. We shouldn't do it. It's like, no, 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 no. It depends. And if you're talking about people who you're only just allowing to not even keep up with inflation, in fact, by definition, in real terms, their spending power is still less than it was a year ago. So how does that possibly increase inflation? So I, I'm with Friedman. Um, inflation, uh, wage, wages, in, wage inflation is a horrible term, is a symptom <laughs> and, it's, and it's not a cause. I actually posted on that thread, there was a great paper I found which referenced a bunch of studies that actually said, we don't actually find any real evidence for this. It's, a, it's an appealing, it's like a lot of things in economics. It's sort of, there's a certain in, intuition with things like, yeah, that makes sense. But it's just not, it's not backed up by the data. Um, why is it, why, who is it? I, I look again, a little bit more conspiratorial here. <laughs> Again, we're talking about governments and, and oh, the, the trick that they're trying to they do here. Think of the public service. If you're talking about all transport workers or or just you know white collar public servants, mm. and they're all demanding a pay rise. Guess mm. what that means? That means a bigger budget deficit or more taxes. You're going to fight it. Obviously, you're going to fight it. In <laughs> fact, that's the natural tension between employers mm. and employees. Mm. You 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 reach an agreement that is mutually. Uh, are beneficial, right? Yeah. But that, they're going to argue against it and they're, they're going to use these seemingly sound technical, technocratic sort of arguments for it, but but it's, it's, it's just not true. And as I made the point in that thread, it's just sort of like, who's making these altruistic <laughs> sacrifices to the CPI or the economy and, and mm. selling their labour below market rates? Mm. This, is, this is the whole other thing about it. I mean, if, if you're in an area where there's not enough workers... And there is demand for workers, i.e. There's, there's certainly enough business around for, for, for the amount of workers to be supported, and you can argue for more, absolutely do it. You know, why, why wouldn't you? And, and it just, what really sort of gets me is that no one talks about in wage inflation when it comes to executive pay. It's only ever about working <laughs> class pay. And one thing we know is that over the last, gosh, 10 or 20 years, the, the wage gap between the top... 30 and bottom 30% has been insane. So you turn around to the working class, it's always about them. You don't get a pay rise, even though I'm doing very well and my wages have grown very well over the last 10 years. <laughs> because if I do, I'm going to overcook the economy. And I, I call BS. I call absolute BS on all of it. So I, I agree with your rationale, but disagree with your conclusion, mate, for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think... And there's so much. There's so, that's why I kind of set up and make the point about you know what what are capital W wages and then yeah, there's something different all the way through, right? Yeah. So let me start by saying I think we should be giving immediate additional money to people who can't absorb the inflationary impacts and who don't literally can't absorb them, right? Who are literally going to have to do less of a thing and, and those really basic essential things. You know, if you're if you're a pensioner, you're a welfare recipient, you're a uh, you, you know a fixed income, and someone says, guess what? Everything's now eight percent more expensive. 
you're saying, well, I'm not getting the extra money, so I got to buy eight percent less. And I wasn't out there buying caviar and and yeah, they're, they're know, not they're yeah. not the stimulatory inflationary drivers of the economy. Correct, the pensioners, correct. they can guarantee correct. you that. And so you know, if they've got to choose between eight percent less food or eight percent less heating or eight percent less you know ability to get to the doctor because they can't afford petrol, well, that's just generally shit. And excuse my language. And in a country like ours, we can afford to make sure those people are okay. So when, I, when again, that's why I said double double capital w, double. Oh my goodness, capital W wages. <laughs> Let me spit that out. Uh, it's why I, I want to make a, a really clear distinction. But I also think that it's I I don't see how it's not simply basic maths that if we say pricing is a result of the interaction of supply and demand that adding more demand by increasing wages at a time when the rba is trying to reduce demand by increasing interest rates to take money out of the economy net net speaking of the counterfactual if you pay people more there will be more demand than if you didn't and that by definition pushes puts more pre- upward pressure on prices now how far they go up and how high they go up and that kind of stuff i don't i don't think we can ever and that's the other thing right this is such a complex system you can never you can no one can prove anything in any direction yeah. because it's all this complex interaction but it just strikes me if you if you had a hundred dollars chasing a hundred dollars worth of goods if you have ninety dollars chasing a hundred dollars worth of goods and you make that ninety dollars ninety five dollars chasing a hundred dollars worth of goods the, the simple reality is adding more to the demand side almost axiomatically i think must put upward pressure on prices because if, you know it, I can afford to buy whatever I can afford to buy now. If my boss at work, I'm not saying people shouldn't ask for pay rise either, by the way, I'm, I'm agreeing with you there. But if you just think about the, the basic maths of it, I don't see how it's not possible. But if I get a pay rise tomorrow, I'm not going to go and spend that money buying more things than I would have been able to yesterday. And that yeah. by definition must increase the demand story and that must almost by definition, I'm not saying increase prices versus last year, but versus the counterfactual of me not getting more money if you play that out across the economy, unless we all save every dollar of the wage increase, no, which we're not going you. to because of inflation, yep. it must it must add to inflationary pressure, surely. Well, if you're talking about going on a holiday or buying an iPhone, and yeah, absolutely. And that's that's yep. that's the aim, absolutely. Yep. The, the trouble with it is there's plenty of things that are super important that are inelastic, that there's yes. actually the demand doesn't shift in regard to prices. Okay. So if my electricity goes up 20%, I'm not, you know, maybe I'll try and turn off a few extra lights and the rest mm-hmm. of it, but I've just, mm-hmm. I'm going to, or vice versa, if the price of electricity halved, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to have 10 air conditioners pointed at me at all times. <laughs> like it just, yeah. there are certain things, a lot of things, like again, the big yes. things, yes. food, fuel, yes. and shelter, where it's just like whatever amount I was consuming before, I'm going to yep. pretty much more or less consume the same of it. And it's for the people that don't have that discretionary spending. It feels like I'm picking on just a small, narrow part of society. It's actually this worryingly large amount. That's that's where I just don't like the broad brush yeah. nature of it. So there, you yeah. said in the your thread, there is nuance to be had here. And I, I yes. think that's absolutely true. And I think there'll be a lot of cases where you, you there could realistically be a, a very sensible pushback from certain employers as to, look, it's just mm-hmm. not a sensible thing to do. Yeah. But even then, they will make that judgment within the context of their own reality. Of course. You know? It's like no business leader or, you know, is, is making a is is worrying about how they can play a small part in improving the CPI. Yeah, that's right. I need workers. That's right. What do I need to that's pay right. to get the best workers? I'll yes. pay as little as I can to get the best that I can. That is it. As long as they create value for my organization by putting creating more output than it costs me to hire them, yep. then I'm going to hire them and I'm going to make that that's how I'm going to make my money. Abs- absolutely. So yep. I, I just I yeah, you look at the people who are making the argument for wage price inflation and it's it's usually yes. um 
Yeah, it's, it's usually in the public sector. Very often it is. And I think it, it just comes back to that reality of it. Oh, shivers. It just makes the, the deficit far worse <laughs> again. <laughs> I, th- I think that's true, man. But I just, I still, I, 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 that's, I mean, that's all 100% true. With the exception of the RBA, if, if you think about the RBA, being, rates are the balancing item, right? So my, my only argument in terms of the wages piece, when people say, I need more to pay higher rates, it's it, like it's 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 very much exactly the problem in the sense that now we should fix it with fiscal policy. Going back to what we said earlier, yeah, that's exactly but, but, the point. But it, yeah. but it, but, it, but if, if and when nothing changes, we are where we are today. Parliament, let's say Parliament's away for three months, they probably are. But let's say they are, mm. or, or frankly, they're not going to do anything about it, right? So you, you say right, that's where we are. So fiscal policy doesn't change or won't change. Now it should, but it won't. The RBA has to, in its view, do something, increase rates to control inflation. And the more we all get paid as pay rises, the more work it's going to have to do to effectively suck that money straight back out of the economy to have the impact it's trying to have. If it's trying to take a dollar out of the economy and I get given 50 cents, then it's going to take a dollar 50 out of the economy because I'm going to spend that 50 cents. It's, yeah, but I the, think you'll- The math is pretty straightforward. I, it, it, it is. It's, again, it's, it's the complication. Let, let's take the other end of the spectrum. Let's, I'm not like mega rich. I'm not a billionaire or anything like that. But let, let's say I've, I've, I own my yeah. own house and I've got, you know, 500K or super, you know, maybe a, a small share portfolio investment property yeah. on the side. And there's a lot of people yeah. in this situation as well. So interest rates uh, go up a little bit or, or in fact, maybe they manage because in, they're in a, in a privileged position, they're, they're able to get a, a pretty good pay rise through. I actually don't think that actually pushes much towards in, inflation as well. I'm, I'm pretty much buying whatever I want anyway. If I enjoy my totally. smoked salmon and caviar, I'm doing it. And I might, totally. I might bitch to my mates about, oh, how the portfolio's down, but it's not like all of a sudden <laughs> I'm flicking to two-minute noodles, you know, and Cole's sliced, white sliced bread. It's, I'm, I'm not doing it. So right. I, I feel as though it's, it's at a very high aggregate level there's a certain logic to it. I just think on the ground and, and that the, the important, it's a bifurcation of, 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 the, of society. You've got those yes. that are at the bottom and the top end who really it doesn't actually have the, what the expected consequence of radically changing behavior. Certainly people on the, on, on the edge, yes, I, I agree. And overall, does it make a difference? I'm not saying it's zero difference. Mm. I'm just sort of saying it is- But that's it, all though, right? That's, that's my point is that, like the, the RBA has no other, that's the only tool they have. And if their job is that I'm going to I'm going to push this lever as far forward as I have to yeah. until I get back into the lane I'm trying to I'm, I'm mixing my metaphors but the interest rate lane of two to three percent I got one lever yeah. I'm going to push that forward as far as I need to until we get there and and the challenge is that the the more money is put into the economy through other means could be stage three tax cuts by the way which I'm implacably against mm-hmm. it could be pay rises it could be government handouts it could be yeah. cho- choose doing your, choose doing your- those cuts in in an inflationary environment you know if you if, if you you correct if if you say that's not a problem, how can you possibly turn around and say yeah, wage exactly. rises aren't a problem? Exactly, and that's how no. people people have, again yes. where where it reflects their personal interest. That, that's exactly Correct. what they say, and it's it's rationally, logically inconsistent. Correct. It's, it's, but my argument is I'm against both of them. Not against both. I'm not against wage rise people who need them. Again, I'm I'm just making the point that if the RBA says we need to get demand to X to get rates back to between 2 and 3, inflation back to 2 and 3%. That's effectively what they're saying, right? They're mm-hmm. going to reduce demand until that happens. Anything that adds demand means they're going to push that lever down harder. It, mathem- like, it, in, in a closed circuit, which it largely is, it's, mm-hmm. it's messy and it's not entirely closed, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, conceptually, again, versus a counterfactual, if you tell me, if you, if you put, if you put five, do- five coins in there, I'm going to push forward a little bit. Add an extra, extra two coins, yeah. I'm going to push forward a little bit further yeah. to get those coins back out again. It, it's Mathematically, they kind of have to. Or you can argue who gets what yeah, money, but, and it's, let, you're let, right. Well, let's say it's true. Um, and yeah. let's say it's, it's not, you know, it's beyond 
it's substantial in its in a, yeah. in 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 its impact. But, but it doesn't matter how how essential. Well, because I'm not even saying it, it is substantial necessarily. I'm just saying whatever impact it has, yeah. the RBA is going to work to remove by definition because they're trying to take X dollars. They won't have a target of that number of dollars, right? But but yeah. when they think about it, they're trying to reduce demand sufficiently to reduce to remove inflation. So whatever demand is added to whatever proportion it is, impl- it is uh, impactful, t- tiny or a lot. If it's tiny, they have to push forward a little bit. It's massively they'll push forward a lot, but either way, they're going to push forward as hard as they need to yeah. to have the desired impact, right? Well, we've we've kind of come full circle. It, it comes yeah. back to, I mean, to every to a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. <laughs> yeah. This is the problem, and this is this is the <laughs> yes. greatest trick yes. the devil ever pulled. We, when it comes to the populace, <laughs> we all are so hyper in, hyper focused on the RBA, yeah, and it's yeah. kind oh, of it's so playing true. a third and fourth fiddle to much Absolutely. much bigger driving factors and 100%. forces. So. If yep. your point is, hey, the RBA is doing it, that's, that's all it can do and everyone expects it to do something and it's not perfect. And I'm like, oh, I, I kind of agree with you. Yep. I just I don't like I just don't like people casting the blame towards I very hardworking work class people who have absolutely gone backwards to sort of say, well, you have to bear the brunt of, of this. I just it just sucks. I don't like I don't like it at all. 100%. And it's just more to the point, even even from a, a pure economic lens, it's just it's so it, it's so secondary to to the mm. to the huge forces that are that are that are out there. So, yeah. and I, and let's face it. Let's, well, why are we dealing with inflation in the first place? Mm-hmm. Well, pretty much the RBA's got a bit to answer for there too. You know, so they helped create. I'm not saying it's all their fault, mm-hmm. but they certainly helped create a bit of a mess. And in their efforts to clean it up, they're going to be ineffective and and um, and not well targeted. It's I one hundred percent agree, Matt. It's a, it's a really, it's a really good point. At the end of the day, I think that's and that's. I think, I think setting this up that way is really important because what it says is, if people get pay rises and nothing else changes, the RBA will have to do more. So if we agree with that, then it's that middle statement. If nothing else changes, yeah, you, you, you have to. You have to. You, there's three. There's three things there, right? If people get pay rises, should they? Shouldn't they? If nothing else changes, should or shouldn't it? The RBA will raise rates. That's going to happen. So it's not. It's not. About, I mean, you could argue about sure, shouldn't they? But if you agree that yes. inflation is is, yeah, is yep. you know if that if that's the balancing item, if rates are the balancing item, you either change the wages or you change the if nothing else changes. And that, to my mind, I think you're exactly right. I I, I think I think it's it, it seems obvious to me that wage increases have a impact on upward impact on prices if nothing else changes so back to that idea of you either say if 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 the nothing else changes doesn't change then wage rises equal higher rates to whatever degree is necessary and we Mm -hmm. can absolutely Mm -hmm. i have no no strong view on how how big by the way i'm just kind of talking theoretically and conceptually that they don't have a choice if 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 demand is added that demand needs to be removed for the rba to have what the impact they're trying to have that demand being removed can happen with lower wages or no wage increases but or it can happen with other policies like the fiscal policies that governments have been sitting on the sidelines for 15 years ignoring and making the RBA do the hard work. Yeah, that's true. Except the RBA doesn't have a lever for wages. They can jawbone it and I they can rely on that. Yes. That, 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 so, so, so even if, even if everything else is, is true, what's the mechanism to centrally plan and control wages across the economy? Like, I mean, we t- talk about communism. Like, that, that's pretty much where we're, we're getting at here. And that's going <laughs> right, to lead to exactly. huge problems down the track as yeah, well when it's a yeah, bureaucrat yeah. that's setting prices. We, we know that that doesn't work. Like, here's here's going to go – I know we're out of time here, but just very quickly. <laughs> what Money is, is – it plays many roles, but one of the most important roles it plays is a signalling mechanism. It, it is mm. information. It is how we communicate economically. And we would absolutely rightly expect, it's perfectly normal and appropriate and right 
that whenever there's a increased demand for workers, that they get paid more just for the simple business mm. reality of someone who has to manage mm. raw input costs and rent. And yes, also the, the, the price of workers and all of those prices will be determined in the open and free and fair market. And, yep. and, you know, I know there's edge cases here, but just, just sort of bear, bear with me here. So again, mm -hmm. it's not, if, if there is, if you've, if you've got an orchard, and you've got a bunch of peaches on there and there's just absolutely no one to pick it, you can let that all fall. I don't know, I'm really oversimplifying this and getting myself in hot water with some farmers here. And I know, I know a lot of them don't have the choice. There's more practical limitations with COVID and the rest of it. But as an yep. example, I mean, yep. what's your choice? You will pay people more if that's what it takes to get them on your land. Of course you will. And wherever yep. pricing power you've got available to you, you will yep. pass that on to, to your community. And yes, that will result in higher prices. But this mm. is the proper functioning of the economy. This is how I can pick up this pen. I know this is an audio format. I've got a pen in my hand. There was probably like 4,000 people somehow related to bringing yeah, this yeah. to me. And it was mm -hmm. all, I was able to buy this for, I don't know, two bucks or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. I'd never be able to make this in a million years myself, but it was coordinated <laughs> through this wonderful system that we have that is all intermediated by money, which is why I can get this thing at, at a commodity-based price. It's like just mm -hmm. as cheap as its raw materials almost. It's insane. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you start distorting prices and you start trying to centrally control it, that whole signaling mechanism breaks down. And as we've seen throughout history again and again, it's just got very dire consequences. So my only point is, is that you know, we'll have some disagreement on, on the severity of, of wages on inflation. What do you do about it anyway? The economy is going to work out what, what, and a free market is going to work out what an appropriate and fair wage is. Workers will always be pushing for more. Employees will, employers will always be pushing for less. There'll be a natural tension yeah. there. Yeah. And it's going to be what it's going to be. So rather than sort of pointing to sort of poor people and saying, no, you've got to suffer. How, you know, what about me? My portfolio is down percent. I think we just need a far more mature, intelligent conversation about, well, what's the real drivers of this and what, what can we do to, to actually fix it, which isn't just going to absolutely punish the wrong people and, and, and not have much effect on, on the worst offenders. <laughs> I guess you know. You know what? You know what I hate about this is that we ask these questions, have these conversations. You and I, but but more importantly, more broadly, the rest of the the society. When we're in this particular situation, mm. as everything, the time the time to solve these problems was five years ago, and yep. probably in two years' time. And I don't say that because it's not important to solve now, or or think about those people who are suffering now, because they absolutely need to be looked after. I mean, just more the idea of again the balanced budget idea, or the you know appropriate minimum wage idea, or the whatever whatever it is that we're trying to resolve. Uh, you know, tr tr giving people a wage rise now because they deserve one, and that it's inflationary would have been. You know, we had, we had we had you know COVID two years ago, perfect time to give people those wages wage increases they deserved. At which point, inflation would have rolled through the economy already, and we wouldn't be talking about whether or not they need wage rises just to be paid reasonable amounts at this point in the cycle when it's exactly the worst time economically. It's still worth giving doing it for them. I absolutely mm. agree with you, but it, it's just something kind of. <laughs> As, as evolved as we are, as complex as our, our society is, and how as good as we are as doing most of these things, it's like guys, come on! Like, if, you know, if we'd actually had the proper conversation two years ago and solved some, solve the the causes of the problems, mm. a some of the problems wouldn't have happened. Or b, when we got to this point, we'd be like, well, at, at least we know we've looked after the pensioners and, and fires and nurses and coppers, so and teachers. So you know, they're, they're okay. That's not a problem. Now we can focus on interest rates and inflation. Mm -hmm. Instead, we're mm -hmm. saying. Well, they already weren't paid enough, and so this is even worse. And now they still, now they can't afford to put the heater on or or buy food. Uh, you know, let's fix that. Mm. This is, you know, it's uh, don't waste a crisis, I suppose, on one level. But man, if we just done the right thing, you know, <laughs> two, three, five years ago, uh, we'd we'd have a lot less drama to deal with right now, I'd reckon. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, 
I've got to say, I've had um, some exposure to healthcare workers uh, recently, and uh, my wife's in the education space. I mean, gosh, they're just they're absolute heroes, right? You know, it's just <laughs> in terms of the value added to society and how we reward them. Some douchebag real estate agent who manages to open a door and put an ad on domain will get three percent of a of a one and a half million dollar house for like you know what amounts to forty yep. hours work, and yet yep. someone who's saving lives and educating our kids, we we think no no no, yep. you're, you've got enough, and and by the way, we're not giving you more, and you're going to cop a seven percent real wage increase. It just it just rubs yep. me the wrong way, man. Fund Pol- apologies to real estate on. agents. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they're, they're, they're gone already. They're yeah. gone already. Fund managers are clipping the ticket on billion dollar funds and getting paid a, a, a percentage, and, and you know, getting yachts and mansions and God knows what. And you know, what are they doing? They're shuffling some paper around, making some lucky calls on a couple of stocks. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's um, it's it's madness. Infuriating, yeah. infuriating, mate. We're probably done. We're well and truly over time. But listen, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> uh, I think it was a really useful ex- exploration, mate, with some some good different views. Nothing like that. a bit of champagne socialism, right? Just to uh, <laughs> throw a cat amongst the pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> is there Chardonnay socialism these days or Sauvignon uh, Blanc socialism? Who knows? What's the wine of choice? Rosé, Petit Blanc, what are they? What I don't are they, know, mate. Mine, mine, mine comes in a box, so it's, it's, either, <laughs> it's either white or red. <laughs> and on that note, will you join me on Sunday? You know I will. Full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.